Hi. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> I took a nap. <laughs> it was an accidental nap, but I took a nap and now I'm awake. <laughs> I went to see historian Eric Foner this morning at the Chicago Humanities Festival. I could swear you just said Eric Boner, but I don't think that's <laughs> what you said. Oh, that's probably worse than you said Debbie Maycomber. I was like, <laughs> it's Eric Foner. Eric Foner. I don't I don't feel very smart. I don't know who that is. He's a Civil War guy. He's a oh. re- he's a reconstruction specialist. Oh, the reconstruction. It's not my it's not one of my top five. <laughs> there are a lot of spies back then. Um <laughs> came home and I said to my son who's a junior in high school that I went to see Eric Foner because it was at 11 a.m. and of course he was still sleeping and he was like I think we read him in American history class and I was like you did you retained information about like a historian's name and then teenagers brains are mush so I know and then I was like aren't you sad you didn't come with me (laughs) And he's like, in fact, no. He's like, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> Welcome to Faded Mates, everybody. We are not going to talk about historians. We're going to talk about, like, anti-history today. Oh, my God. We're going to talk about something that for sure does not exist. <laughs> this is going to be the most fantasy-heavy episode we've ever done because we're talking about amnesia. It's amnesia week. Um, should we introduce ourselves i'm sorry we like just went right into it i'm sarah mclean i write romance novels and i read romance novels i'm jen prokop i've never had amnesia do you know i have had amnesia you have because of your brain surgery earlier and he was oh actually i hadn't even thought of that I mean, look at me. I have a lot of experience with this topic. I mean, I just have a bad memory, but I don't think that's the same thing. I was thinking about, so when I was in kindergarten, um, so I have an older brother and an older sister who are both, um, my sister is 10 years older than me and my brother's like nine years older than me. And um, when I was in kindergarten, I went, I like I don't know, at the end of the year, there was like certificate day or whatever. And true, true story. I have a certificate, which I love very much (laughs) for most unusual seeds, which I don't know. I don't know how I got this, but I got, I had, I, I won the most unusual seeds certificate that year in kindergarten. Seed? Like the thing you plant? Like, I guess we had to bring seeds to school and mine was unusual. And, um, we, (laughs) Who knows? And, uh, you know, whatever. Congratulations, Sarah. You're our best water bearer because I clearly was distractible and they used to send me to get water. Whatever. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Point is, um, I came home that day and my mom had clearly left me with my 13 and 14-year-old siblings, which should be fine. (laughs) Um, and it was uh, sunshiny, and I, my mom had hung the sheets like she had done laundry, and like the sheets were hanging on like the clothesline in mm-hmm. the backyard, like a true summer day. 
And I was in the sunshine and I was running in the sheets. I would like run <laughs> through the sheets and then turn and then run back through the sheets again. And I cut the corner too close or something. And I ran right into an oak tree <laughs> and I knocked myself out. And when I came to, I was sitting on a chair in my parents' living room. Yeah. And all my papers were in uh, in my lap, and I could not remember receiving any of them. Oh. So my brother and sister, as good older siblings are wont to do, decided not to tell my parents that this all happened <laughs> because they didn't want to get in trouble. I mean, I didn't have amnesia. I clearly had a concussion. Yeah. And I, to this day, do not remember receiving any of those certificates. It is missing from my head. But... I did end up having an aneurysm, so who can say? Could all be related. We found the missing link. (laughs) Oh, Um, I mean, everybody keeps that crazy medical, like, bad things happen secret. A friend of mine broke her arm at my house when we were vaulting over an armchair, and we didn't tell my mom. And she met her mom at the grocery store, and she said, how'd Michelle break her arm? (laughs) And my friend's mom was like... At your house. <laughs> yeah. So that was like amnesia of the like willful kind, this I suppose. All checks out. Kids are stupid. And our brain, their brains are just mush. Like, oh, for sure. They're just, they have, I mean, this is actually true. Like the human being, like your frontal lobe is not fully functioning until you are in your mid 20s, which is why teenagers make terrible decisions. I know. And why giving them keys to cars is a terrible idea, honestly. Um, my son doesn't want to learn how to drive because Good for him. driving in the city, why would you want to? I know. He's got Just live in the city, fine. everybody. You don't want they don't want to learn how to drive. It's amazing. You know, I mean, it, it is true. We have tons of neighbors who are in their teens and like not one of them is interested in driving. Yeah. And it's because we have the subway and sure. Uber. What do yeah. you want? Why would you want to drive? It's fine. Anyway, so that's my story. Um, And then my other amnesia story, which I hadn't even remembered, but Jen, of course, remembered for me. (laughs) How on brand is that I did, in fact, have brain surgery. Um, And there's a great Twitter thread, which we will put in show notes about my brain surgeon, who's like the most alpha male (laughs) ever in the history of alpha men. Um, But fun fact, after I woke up from brain surgery, I had lost all memory of numbers. Yeah, that's wild. Entirely, which is not amnesia. That's something called aphasia. (laughs) And I had it for like two days. Yeah, that's real weird. Everybody was real freaked out and I wasn't. But everyone else was freaked out. And my, like, super alpha doctor would, like, walk into the room and, like, everyone would be freaking out. And he'd look at me and he'd go, he'd hold up a pen and say, what is this? And I would say, that's a pen. And he would say, what do you do with it? And I would say, that you write with it. And he would say, you're going to be fine and walk out. <laughs> and I, so I felt fine. But literally no one else knew that that was my surgeon. Like, he hadn't introduced himself (laughs) to my parents or my sister. Eric knew it was him, but, like, you know, whatever. Doesn't matter. Long story. I'll tell it another time. You have the numbers back. It's all good. Neither of those are stories of amnesia because amnesia isn't real. (laughs) And yet 
Oh, God, in a romance, it's like the best thing. Wait, so I was thinking about this. And because I know there are a lot of people who hate amnesia plots, and I don't blame you. I don't They're, understand. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it's like if you have any kind of medical knowledge whatsoever, <laughs> you would be like, this is the most ridiculous fucking thing I've ever read in my life. But I think that I imprinted very hard on the best 80s movie ever, Overboard, with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. I just ate a bug. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I'm constantly <laughs> quoting that movie to my husband, who's like, you oh know I haven't God, really seen yeah. that as many times as you have. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you just don't intuitively how, know. How did you not see that classic? <laughs> like, First of all, it's great. Oh, God, if it's so good. If you haven't so seen good. Overboard, stop this podcast right now. Go watch Overboard and then come back because Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are, oh, God. They're, like, they, they're like the Tracy and Hepburn of our day. Yeah. In that movie. They it's really a great are. movie. It's a great movie. They remade it recently and I couldn't bring myself to watch it because I just was like, no, why mess with the best? <laughs> why why this urge to remake something that was already perfect? So um, we, I, sh- I feel like we should say when we talk about amnesia in romance, invariably... It's called something, It's we're talking about something called global amnesia, which means you've forgotten everything, <laughs> except for, no, you've really forgotten everything. Like, it's nothing. Except rarely... for whatever plot points the author needs you to remember. Yeah. It's actually real useful. <laughs> um, and this is from, you know, the science text, the, the well-known science text, wikipedia.org. In the vintage book of amnesia, Jonathan Lethem writes, real diagnosable amnesia, people getting knocked on the head and forgetting their names, is mostly just a rumor in the world. It's a rare condition and usually a brief one. In books and movies, though, versions of amnesia lurk everywhere, from episodes of Mission Impossible to metafictional and absurdist masterpieces with dozens of steps in between. Amnesiacs might not exist, but amnesiac characters stumble everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And I love that. You guys, it's just always a symbol. It's like this amazing symbol, right? (laughs) It's about identity, everyone. And that's why I love it so much, because you're really forcing characters to confront who they are, who they think they are, who they think their loved ones are who they've been, all that crazy bullshit. And it's just like, essentially, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's just really, you can't, you can't read it like as a serious thing. I mean, it's so fun. Yeah, it's great. It's It's such a fun way of telling a story, like giving, and invariably you're giving Often you're giving in romance amnesia to an, a like a hero. Yeah, I love and that. And it's really fun. And, and then they're like, I really like holding hands with her. <laughs> you're like, yes, you do, you dickbag. <laughs> you totally <laughs> do, right? I would also say, I. you know what? It's funny because I would like to shout out before we begin Twitter's favorite amnesia romance, which I read the sample of is a Harlequin-like suspense from 2014 called Pregnesia. <laughs> Have you seen 
seen this? Where no, <laughs> you Ooh, have to agonesia. look. Yeah, I'm so this, right now. you guys, you're gonna die. It's amazing, and I read the sample this afternoon. It's by Carla Cassidy, and basically a guy goes to repossess a car, and he finds a pregnant amnesiac woman in the back seat. Sure. <laughs> yes. Sign me up. I'm buying it right now. <laughs> I mean, I am too. I got distracted by reading, like, the other books, but I was like, I should give Pregnesia a shot, and I read the sample, and I stopped, and I was like, I want to read more. I just need to know, what were you doing in that back seat, ma'am? <laughs> oh. <laughs> And just like A plus, A plus titling, Pregnesia, A plus. Someone at Harlequin was like, sure, fine. <laughs> I want to know like what happened in that marketing meeting. They were like, Pregnesia. And everyone was like, yeah, sure. Yes. Sounds great. Like, were they all high? What was happening? Was it like the day before Thanksgiving? Uh, <laughs> They, they were, were like, like just, we gotta done. move it's this fine. out of here. <laughs> I here's what I'm gonna say. Yes, ble- ble- we are blessed by that person because I feel like that is someone who really understands at a very like molecular level the needs of the category romance reader, <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you are you looking at it right now? I'm amazed by it. It is, it is perfection in every it is perfection. way. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, okay, so I want to talk about um we should talk about actual books that we've read now. Oh my god. Well, I mean, cuz here's the thing, like I like how you're like it's always a metaphor, but the reality is like is it though? <laughs> I think it is. I, I do. All right. I think every amnesia story one of the characters is doing some work about who they who either who they think they are or who they are in relationships with every time. Oh, I mean of course. Like of course. Okay. The value of the am, of the amnesia book is that it gives you a it's a mulligan to use golf terms, right? Like it's yeah. a do-over. You get to like yes, wake up and not remember anything you did before. Uh-huh. And any of the bad things that you did. Yep. And you get to like start fresh. And you kind of and everybody around you kind of has to give you a pass, yeah, because you are legitimately a different person. So the first book that I want to talk about is Kylie Scott's Repeat. Yeah, I love Kylie Scott. I really love Kylie. I think she writes a great book. Also, she writes really all over the place. Like she oh, writes yeah. zombie books, and she writes like threesomes, and she writes the and she writes like small town contemporaries set in Australia, and she writes. Amnesia books. I am. I say this also because by the time you all hear this, I will have published my piece at Kirkus about unreliable narrators, and I use one of her books as an example. And I, and it's like I did it with love, <laughs> like right. And I kind of say I don't. There's a part I didn't think worked, but like I love Kylie Scott, and so I hope she just knows that I love you, Kylie. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Well, I also love Kylie, so I don't think she's going to be unhappy with this episode. Um, I want to talk about Repeat. So um, because I love her, I bought it, like, right away, mm-hmm. and I downloaded it. And it was one of those one of those books, like, I have a massive, as you all know, growing, ever-growing TBR pile. But, like, sometimes some people jump to the top of the, lo- the, top of the pile right yeah, away. Yeah, absolutely. And Kylie's one of those people for me. So um, this book, the heroine is... Um, 
she it begins with the heroine walking into it's like first person heroine mm-hmm. begins with her walking into a tattoo parlor and the person behind the counter like the the woman working behind the counter is like oh shit like it's you huh and she's like i'm here to see hero's name i should have looked this book up before i started talking about it but whatever so um i'm here to see the hero this guy and <laughs> that'd be great if she called him the hero though the hero's like and the the woman behind the counter is like uh okay so she calls out to the hero who comes into the front of the room takes one look at the hero and is like get the fuck out mm. and she says to him i don't know who you are all i know is that you were important to me mm. and i don't i need your help and he's like ed what his name's ed, ed. yeah ed thank you her name's Clementine. Yeah. Yes. Clementine. Uh, it's kind of a interesting name. So the anyway, so Clementine says, like, I need your help. And he's like, what the fuck would give you the like, what would give you the idea that I would help you? Mm. And she's like, who are you? Like, she literally is like, I don't know who you are. I was. And then she's like, I was in a terrible accident. I was in a car accident. I lost my memory. And or like she, lo- I think she lost like a certain number of years of her memory, maybe Just like the ones where she has real shitty. She to lost, him, I bet. <laughs> she lost the Ed memory. <laughs> She's like, I lost my memory. I have no memory of you. I know we were important to each other. Um, no one would tell me you existed. Like no one told me you existed. I di- like mm. I discovered when I was trying to figure out who I am that you were a part of my life. Who are you? And he's like, I was your fiance. Yikes. And, like, it all unravels from there. And it turns out that they had had this, like, super... So the deal that they make is that he's basically... She's like, I have questions. And he's like, well, you can text them to me. Like, Mm -hmm. if you text me questions, I will answer them. But I'm sorry, I don't want to look at you. Like, I cannot look at your face. And it turns out that she's like been really shitty to him like there's you know it's also a little bit of a mystery there's some thriller thrown in like there's this big question of like um you know like over the court there's a villain a a villain on the page um and so like there's a lot going on in this book that i don't want to spoil for anybody but it is it's a really really excellent read because clementine through the entire book is really trying to reconcile like the person she was before yeah. with the person she is now. And that's it. That includes things like her sister, who's super overbearing now and like heavily, like mega protective of her because obviously like, like many people, like she cares about Clementine and all she knows is that this relationship went south real bad, real mm-hmm. fast. And it was real damaging to Clementine before. And so she's like, I didn't tell you about Ed because I didn't want that piece of your life to be with you. Like, you get a free pass. You can put that behind you. Yeah. But, of course, she can't because that's a piece of her puzzle. Um, And she gets this chance to kind of, like, do over this love story that was super tragic between them because they desperately loved each other. And ultimately, part of the reason why she left Ed was because – Originally, part of the reason why the the love story fell apart was because she didn't trust him entirely. Like, she Mm. thought, I don't know, she thought something was going on that wasn't going on, and she didn't believe him when he told her the truth. 
which is so like dumb and and cliche, but at the same time, like so real and like. And so here they are both with an opportunity to like start fresh. And Clementine is like becoming her best self now. Yeah. And it is really a wonderful, like there's some, it's not, it's not silly. It's none of the like laughable stuff that we were talking about. It's really just like a lovely second chance love story that you wouldn't get if if it wasn't for, for amnesia. Because I can't think of another way that you would erase a mistrust. Like, I don't know how you, without time, but like he's not interested in being around her, so you can't. But then what's interesting is that it flips itself, and then he is so, what Kylie does so well is reveal, it. she shows his like pure confusion in this. Like, because he loved this woman, like, that he's looking at. And then he couldn't love her anymore or, like, it couldn't sustain itself, his relationship. And now she's back and he, like, doesn't want to love her again. But it's all – and it's all still there except it's a new person. It's real – it's a mindfuck amnesia. Literally. I mean, I think that's why I like amnesia plots, right? Because you're magically erasing at least temporarily – Right. The thing that prevented them from being together and giving them this other chance to sort of see if they can figure it out. And I think that dread is one that like really drives the plot then. Like you're like, oh, God, what's going to happen when they do like when the memories do come back? Right. Are they going to be able to like take where they are now and move forward? And I think that's why it's such a I, I don't know, like. There was a Twitter, there was a really interesting Twitter thread, and I'll have to find it, where someone was talking about how they're fascinated. I think it must have been maybe someone who is not American, but Mm. maybe not. Maybe I'm misremembering that part. But what they said was, it's really fascinating to read books or, like, encounter characters who are convinced that their past is what's making their present but that no one ever thinks about how the present makes the future. Like, does that make sense? Like we, we, I mean, and I feel like that's true of me as a person. I'm always thinking about the past, but it's so hard to think about like, well, what I'm doing right now is going to make my future. And I feel like amnesia stories are really playing with that. Like if you could erase the past, what future could you make for yourself? Yes. Right. And I really, I think that's why it's really cool. You're, you're essentially saying like, okay, we can just, Take that away for now and then, like, see what you can make of, like, can you make a future together? Well, yeah, because it's always a little bit, like, it's bad. It's, like, people who behave badly get amnesia. Yes. And then, like, they are reborn in the image of, like, people who no longer are behaving badly. I think for the most part that's true. Now, I want to talk about the book. One of the books I read was a historical and it was okay, Sarah. You're gonna have to tell me how to pronounce pronounce it. What's a is it a Marquess? A Marquess? Yes. A Mark. You know me. How do you say these? I know how to say. I know how to say Earl and Duke. Everybody. A Marquess is married to a Marchioness. Sure. <laughs> when the Marquess, I don't even think I'm saying it right. This still. has been 
pronunciation with Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and I have to say it again. When the Marquess was mine by Carolyn Linden. Oh, I love Caroline. I think yeah. she is so good. It's this is a re- I really really liked this one a lot. I think it literally just came out. Um cuz I read an arc pretty recently. Maybe it's coming out soon. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, um it's got a lovely purple cover. I really like the dress she has on. Anyway, in this book, um, the heroine's name is Georgina, and the hero is the one, of course, who gets, you know, the the amnesia, and his name is Rob, which I was like, mm. Robert, whatever. I don't love <laughs> Rob, but maybe that's just because of people in my life. Anyway, um, <laughs> and he's just, everyone calls him like the... I don't know, the miserable Marquess or the malignant Marquess, something terrible. Like, everybody hates this guy because he's just, like, one of those young rakes who's mean and and nasty and hangs out with a bunch of D-bags and they drink and gamble too much. And at the beginning, in a, um, like, over the tables, right, he essentially wins this other guy's house, right? This dummy Charles has bet his effing house. Mm-hmm. And... You know, Rob's like, I don't want this guy's house, but I do want to punish this guy for being dumb enough to, like, you know, gamble his house away and making me look like the bad guy. So he decides he's essentially going to, like, ride off and give the deed to the house, like, to his family. Like, be like, look what your dummy did, right? And on the way, he gets assaulted by, like, highwaymen and, you know, falls off his horse and hits his head. And Georgina finds him and realizes, oh, my God, he must have been coming to take the house back. And I can't take him to, I can't take, you know, it's the closest place. It's her friend's house. If I take him there and say who it is, they will not help him. But everyone deserves help. So she essentially, like, bumbles out that this is her fiance. Now she is engaged to a guy named Sterling. Conveniently, his first name is also Robert. And mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so she because she just wants them to give him medical care. And, you know, it's like one of these the setup, honestly, I was like, this is a whole lot. How are you gonna back your way out of this? Right? Was like really what I was pretty concerned about. And, you know, Rob wakes up and he can't remember anything, which is convenient. And he and Georgina kind of like end up really falling in love with each other. And she's been engaged for a couple years to this guy with like no, there's no wedding date in sight because her older brother like won't set up, you know, wants more money or whatever older brothers want. Okay. Anyway, here's the part that I really loved about it. It ends up being Georgina who does, even though Rob is the one who has amnesia, Mm. Georgina ends up doing a lot of real, like, soul searching about who she is and who who Sterling is, her real fiancé, and whether or not she actually is in love with him or just, like, has had a crush on him since she was a girl. Right. And I really ended up liking the way that amnesia is used as a, not, like, as a, like, who are you kind of question, Right. Not necessarily, I know my cat just went by, Um, right? Like, not just a question about, like, Rob and who he is, although he does sort of, like, figure out he doesn't have to be a jerk all the time. But, I mean, her whole sense that maybe I don't want to be with Sterling. Maybe I don't like who he is. Right. And And I thought it was, like, a really clever way of, like, framing, like, when someone around you is questioning who they are, maybe you question who you are too. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, and interestingly, what Caroline's doing there is she's flipping the script on a number of like old, the old school amnesia plot, right? Oh, yeah. So the, the heart for me, like the gold standard of amnesia <laughs> parts, uh, plots, not parts. <laughs> the gold standard of amnesia plots is uh, Judith McNaught's Until You, yeah. which for those of you who <laughs> not read, the heroine gets like whacked in the head with a big shipping pallet <laughs> on the London docks. Um, so the heroine is like the companion or the governess to she's like the companion of um, this woman who is going to get married um, to uh, a Westmoreland. It's uh, Stephen Westmoreland's book. Okay, and so what Stephen knows, like for some I can't remember for romance reasons, they're sure. supposed they're engaged, and um, he basically he's like. I, um, he, like, her, she was supposed to be engaged to somebody else, and, like, it's such a classic McNaught setup. It's, like, she was the heroine, the, this woman, whose name I cannot remember, Sharice, <laughs> I think it is. I'm really doing a bad job today. I took a nap, you guys. It's a problem. I'm much better when I'm just strung out and, <laughs> and like, awake for 20 hours 30 hours. Anyway, um, no, this heroine, sh- this woman, Sharice, I think is her name. She is engaged to a dude who then, like, because of romance stuff and the ha- is, like, dead and the hero, Stephen, thinks that it's because of him. And then um, they're supposed to meet. So Stephen goes to meet her on the docks. And Sheridan, the actual heroine of the book, is walking toward him. And he's like, he looks at her and he's like, well, she's beautiful. And so that must be her. And so he's like, oh, hello, Sharice. And Sheridan opens her mouth to say, oh, I'm not Sharice. I'm (laughs) Sheridan. And kaboom, with a plot of like, whatever, (laughs) on the dock. And she passes out. And he wakes up. And she wakes up. Uh, and she cannot remember who she is. And they're not engaged. Stephen is like, like, saves her because he's like, oh, this beautiful woman. Like, yeah. I'm saving her. And I don't know who, I don't know where she's from. I don't know anything about her. I can't reach her family. Like, she's American or something. So he, like, mails a letter, like, off to America. Thank God. Mm-hmm. In historicals, that's perfect because it takes 10 hours, 10 oh, months. Yeah. For sure, to get a letter back and forth, anywhere, right? right? And so, like, he mails a letter off to her family in Boston or wherever and then t- whisks her home to his estate to like basically recover recover and of course while this is happening they fall in love and he thinks she's her Sharice and it's like a whole thing and then of course when it becomes clear and then at some point over the course of it she like realizes that she's not and like doesn't say everything and then he gets a note back like I can't I can't quite remember how it all like works itself out somebody will surely tell us (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I wasn't planning to talk about this book. But the point is that, like, this is the gold standard in that Stephen Westmoreland is pissed when yeah. he finds out that, sure. like, she is not who he thought she was. Right. And, like, the poor thing, she, like, she wasn't lying to him. She got yeah. knocked in the head by a, like, roving thing on the sure. London docks. A bunch of boxes just crashed right down on her noggin. And then he's a real dick about it. Of course he is. Because he's a McNaught hero. And then he does terrible things. 
and she leaves him and cries, and the readers cry, and then he has to grovel. And it's a good, good. one. It's a good of one. Of course, it sounds amazing. Oh, can we just have a pause? Because I have a thing I want to talk to you about that is okay. utterly unrelated to amnesia, but Delightful. I think it's important for our listeners, too. <laughs> so today, I was out at lunch with my husband and my kid in a bar. <laughs> you have sure. a baby in a bar. Um, in a bar. And, like, it was the first time um, my daughter has ever been in a place that has, like, 83 televisions all on at one time. <laughs> and it was kind of amazing, like, watching her little brain, like, explode with the amount of visual input that was happening. Yeah. Anyway, one of these big screen TVs was showing... Oh, boy. Another title I don't remember the name of. But uh, the movie with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence where they're in space. Do you know this movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So here is my question. The setup of this movie. Hang on. I'm, we're going to I'm I'm going to get the title. Hang on. Okay. Okay. It's called Passengers. And the setup of this movie is they are all like in cryo. They're all like there are 200 people all cried. I don't remember. I was watching this in a bar. So like sure. it was you, every once in a while I read some sub, subtitles. So my sure. understanding is that this is the plot of this movie. There are like 200 people in like cryogenic chambers being hurtling, being hurtled through space to like colonize a new planet. Sure. Chris Pratt is awake for some reason. There's also a robot bartender, but irrelevant because he's a robot. So Chris Pratt is awake. And then, um, he wakes up Jennifer Lawrence out of one of her cryogenic chambers and basically ruins her fucking life because instead of being cryogenically frozen for 200 years while this thing is flying through space, now she's awake and she can't go back into the pod. Like, she just is awake now with Chris Pratt on a spaceship. And they're going to get old and die in space. And right? he did it because he didn't want to be lonely or something, yeah, right? he was lonely. And he kept looking at her through the glass and was like, she's super beautiful and I love her. It's some incel bullshit is what it is. <laughs> and then, of course, he, like, gaslights this poor woman. Like, he's like, you don't understand. I read your diary. First of all, what? Second of all, <laughs> he's like, I read your diary. And, like, I fell in love with you and I fell in love with your brain and I fell in love with your mind and I love you. Right. And I couldn't I can't bear to lose you like I don't want to lose you. Of course, he doesn't want to lose her because she's the only living body on this fucking spaceship and they're hurtling through space like this is it. The two of them. So I was big mad about this movie. I remember people being big mad about this movie. All while my my daughter was like, what is happening in this movie? And I was like, <laughs> nothing in this movie is happening that is in, that is useful to you in any way. You may <laughs> never, ever have a relationship that begins with, I love you so much. I'm pulling you out of your cryogenic freeze so that you can die on this spaceship with me instead of living a full life with a new world in a new world. Anyway, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Point is... <laughs> I was like, I am waiting for the point. I know. I'm sorry. We're it's okay. on a tangent, but I think it's important that we get, that we sort, we sort this out. Because I was like, fuck this. This guy's in cold storage forever. Like he might as well just like throw himself out into space because he sure. is. There's done. no storage cold enough for you. Sir. No, he's cooked. Not there's no coming back from this. So she can live her life quite happily all alone on this ship with a robot bar- bartender. True or false? This guy cannot come back from this. He can't come back from this. At all. No. And I'm like, like, look, as Sarah McLean, I will say, I am willing to go where few people are willing to go on, yes, you can be brought back from a, a thing. <laughs> Mr. Vivisection, come on through. But <laughs> I, <laughs> like, 
You can't. He stole her life. Yeah, right. She she did. She didn't consent to that in any way. She didn't consent to it. They didn't. Did they even have like a meeting of the eyes at some point? I don't. I don't know. Because I. Yeah. I don't know. She was in the pod before. But it doesn't matter even if they did, even if they met like while they were getting into their pods. Sure. That's not enough to have somebody die. Exactly. What a bad dude. All right. I'm glad we could do that. Let's okay, go back yeah, to Amnesia. I, I agree with you, Sarah. Thank you. I totally agree with you. Thank you. All right. So, yeah, what did I say? I talked about Judith McNaught, which was unexpected. That was a twist. Um, then we did space, n- space incels. <laughs> Have you ever... Wait, can I tell you a space incel story that is yeah. a little semi-related since sure we're doing thing. this? Have you ever read... Uh, it's a story by Ray Bradbury in the Martian Chronicles? No. It's real effed up, and I'll find out what the name of the story is. But basically, it's like, you know, it was written in the 50s. So they go up to Mars, and, like, there's very few people, and there's this lonely guy sitting in his house. And it's, like, real hard to get with the other people who've come up to, like, settle Mars. And his phone rings. And he picks it up, and it's this woman. And she's alone in her Mars house somehow, and she has just been randomly calling numbers because she's so desperate for like human contact sure but she just like talks too much for him so he hangs up on her what he would rather be alone bradbury go fuck yourself i know he would space and sell ray bradbury hero guy not hero would rather be alone than be with a woman a woman who just like chatters too much uh, and I remember gross. reading it and being like, you've got to be fucking kidding me with no, this story gross. right now. Yeah. Sorry. Do not like. You know what What um, media really does this story very well? Is the last man on earth. Do you ever watch that show? No. Um, so it was like a comedy, like an NBC comedy starring Will Ortega from mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live and like Kristen Schaal and Jason Sudeikis is in it for a little bit and like a number of other people and um and the premise is like this guy is the last like there's been a terrible plague and he survived it like he was immune to the plague mm-hmm. and it wiped out the entire population of the earth And so he's been driving around the United States, like spray painting alive in Tucson because he's in Tucson on like billboards and shit. And like there's it's very funny because like he goes to the White House. He does what we would all do like at a certain point. Like he's (laughs) like, I'm gonna go to White House. He goes to the White House and he like steals a paint, the painting of Dolly Madison or like he goes to like the Smithsonian and he gets like the Fonz jacket. Like and so like because he's the only one. So who cares? Um, but he's absolutely intolerable. Like he's a terrible, intolerable person. Yeah. And so, and like he does terrible things and he's just like gross. But ultimately he, there ends up being like six people alive in the, in mm-hmm. the world. Um, and they end up living all at the same place because better together. Right. Yeah. Like, right. You just like, all right, I hate all these people, but I'm going to hang with them because what's my other option? Yeah. Um, Which feels very real. Like they're all sort of misfits and not very nice or interesting. They all have like massive flaws. And yeah, you know, anyway. Uh, Okay. I, by the way, I, I just read the Wikipedia summary of this short story. It's called the silent towns. Mm. And it honestly, I, 
I undersold its awfulness. I missed some key plot points. <laughs> he he is the one calling. And he fig- oh. he calls and finds her because he calls a beauty salon. He figures that's where the women are. Oh, gross. And then he goes to find her and she's not pretty or attractive. And he thinks she's silly. And so then he leaves and tries to go somewhere else and just ignores ringing phones. See, like, because he's like, I'd rather be alone than be with her. What? It's real fucked up, Sarah. Well, I hate all of that. Me too. Let's go back to other better things where people Let's are decent. Let's forget that and go back to <sighs> gross. something else. I hate all of that. <laughs> I, if, ew, gross. Well, I mean, it's like a really, I, uh, I don't know what that would be, right? Where like you're all alone and your humanity is actually like shown to be worse. It's like we somehow found the opposite of the amnesia plot. Right? Because <laughs> the amnesia plot is, off, is always your humanity, you're better than you thought you were. Yeah. Right? You're better than you thought well, you were. Isn't that the romance plot in general? You're just yes. you're we're all better than we thought we were with love. Yes. Well, that Ray Bradbury character no also Ray. cold storage. Oh. Fuck that guy. Well, he is in fact on Mars, so <laughs> Oh wait, they're on Mars? They're, they're on Mars, yeah. That, the, so the Martian <laughs> Chronicles, yeah. And he's calling beauty parlor parlors on Mars. I lost all that. I was confused okay. by all that, but that's fine. All right. So I do want to there I have I have another I have a couple of other books that I want to talk about but I do want to also give a shout out to cuz it's a similar a similar concept although in classic fashion. So um Miranda Neville who was a very very good friend of mine um and wrote a really wonderful regency but unfortunately passed away a couple mm. of years ago. Um wrote a book. She was she if you ever met Miranda in in life or online or frankly read any of her books, you would know she was delightfully witty. Yeah. And incredibly sarcastic and like dry as fuck. Like, <laughs> I love that. She was amazing. And you, like, she would just, you could just laugh forever with Miranda. And like, I miss her very, very much. Um, but she wrote a book called The Amorous Education of Celia Seton, and I love this title so much. I can still remember, like, hearing it for the first time and being like, that yes. title is yeah. awesome. So the premise of this book is Celia Seton is uh, – I mean, it sort of goes through – it goes – it's it's like a wild ride, the beginning of this book. Like, it begins with the heroine Celia being kidnapped and told to strip. And then she, like, knocks out a, a highwayman and she, like, races into, like, a um, tavern and she trips over a half-naked dude who she recognizes immediately as one of the biggest assholes in London who ruined her. Like, she, he's Ooh. the reason why she's not married. Oh, I and love And then when, when he comes ruined. to, he can't remember who he is. It's overboard. Yes. He can't remember who he is. And so she tells it. Like, so she starts to just fucking lie to him. She's like, <laughs> well, first we're engaged. Second of all, his name is Tarquin Compton. Um, second of all, uh, your name is Terrence Fish. <laughs> and then she basically, like, they're going through the countryside and they have, you know, like, and they, like, have to kind of, and he's, like, can't remember who he is. Like, do, he's, like, very disoriented. And she's, like, they don't have anything. She's been kidnapped. Like, so she doesn't have any of her stuff. And 
basically like they have like she's like oh you know how to chop wood or you know how to like so she's yeah. like basically <laughs> like telling this like london society dandy that like he <laughs> like it is it actually now that of course i'm saying it you just said overboard like it is overboard in the sense that she's <laughs> right. just like fucking <laughs> torturing him and it's awesome and of course they're also falling for each other because they're you know he does have for all all the he is not muscular and able to he is not able to chop wood but he is very muscular he sure, has a, of course you know, an eight pack of course <laughs> regency duke eight pack um and so it was really really f- it's very fun and very funny and he absolutely deserves everything she does to him and then they fall for each other and then he really remembers who he was right mm. and like and these kinds of moments where like I really love an amnesia subplot an amnesia plot where somebody's punished like being punished for the people the person they were yes because even though it is it is torture like they don't know <laughs> that, <laughs> and it's but it's like it's like deserved torture <laughs> sure god you were so terrible I know. So I really, really love that. And and um, so that's one of my other, like, favorite historicals with amnesia as a subplot. But um, I'm also thinking about Tracy Livesey's book. Oh, God, I love this book. Love Will Always Remember. <laughs> that's right, right? It's not it always is. on my mind. It's no, love will it's love will always remember. And in fact, the whole reason we did this is you were like, we should talk about this one for something else. And then we were both like, we should do an amnesia interstitial. And here we exactly. are. Exactly. Um, yeah. We, literally, I've wanted to talk about this book for like three or four episodes. This book is fantastic. It's so good. Tracy's so good at her job. Yeah. Anyway, we were going to talk about Leighton. For lots of things, like we were going to talk about her in the jobs episode. The chef's episode. Oh, yeah, because he's a chef. The competence oh porn. God. I mean, like, yeah, you oh name God, it, God, right? <laughs> so, okay. Premises. Leighton Clark is her name. Mm-hmm. She's a government lobbyist. Yes. And she's a monster. Pretty much, yeah. She's super badass. She takes no shit from anyone. She is... A powerful, powerful Washington lobbyist who works inside the Beltway and is real good at being terrible. And she's engaged to this, like, super hot guy who's also very powerful. He's just very distant. It's clearly a... Not a marriage of convenience in like the typical sense, but it there's some they're both just gonna kind of get something out of this professionally way more than they are personally. Well, and they're yeah, like he's they're perfect arm candy for each other. They're both very powerful. They're both very attractive. They're both very like they are both very driven. They have goals. Like the other, it's like a political marriage, right? Right. Um, in fact, it might even be a political marriage. I can't remember. Because the actual fiancé doesn't matter. What matters is that he's a twin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, twins. Every trope in here, it's so good. <laughs> twins are also metaphors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, And so he's, like, away. He's, like, not ch- – she – is in a coma and he can't get to her for some reason for romance reasons. It's fine. He can't get to her. Yeah. So he calls up his brother, Jonathan, <laughs> who is estranged but also hot. 
and oh, yeah. very um looks exactly the same as him and is a chef. <laughs> Food is my love language. Um and he's basically like the brother is basically like you have to go and pretend to be me. Yeah. Like just until I get there, which yeah. is whenever a while. <laughs> I have a meeting on Thursday and like it's basically like I can't get there. I honest to God cannot remember why he can't get there, but whatever, who cares? He can't He doesn't wanna get there, is what it, I remember. It, yes, exactly. You know, so he's like, they got go, important work to do in France or something. Sure. So um Jonathan's like, uh okay. Uh fine. That seems wrong, but I have always liked her. Yeah. Oh, the best, right? The best. Oh, God, That's yes. also my possibly my best, my favorite trope is this is wrong, but I've always had a thing for her. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So um Jonathan goes and he like she wakes up in the hospital and he and she like can't remember anything and like cannot remember who she is. And she didn't and she like she just she does not remember anything. But like this dude is real hot. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm engaged to him. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, but she also can't remember how terrible she was. Like, yeah. Perfect example. And Jonathan, who's always like had the hots for her, but never really liked her very much, is like, oh, I have the hots for her. And also I like her very much now. Yeah. And so they, it's basically, um, it's a uh, shit that Sandra Bullock movie. Oh, the proposal? No. The one like, while you were sleeping. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> right? Except it's it's actually, it's not, it's a twist on while you were sleeping because they're both awake. Um, And in this case, it's as though Bill Pullman woke up and like fell in love with yeah. Sandra Bullock's twin. So it's a twist. Doesn't actually, it's not while you were sleeping at all, but whatever. Like, sure, but we're it's, gonna go with it. But they're like faking this, so like John's yeah, faking. faking it, yeah. But then it all went, and of course, here's the other thing the reason why we love amnesia is the same way we love secret babies. It's because, as you're like, what? I don't love secret babies, I don't love secret babies, but I know, I'm gonna but go let with me tell you, you why. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Just with you. Hang, hang on for stay with me, everyone. It's why we love secret babies because we love. What, like, in our heads, this setup gives us that delighted, joyful, like, sh- like terror of what's going to happen yeah. when everyone figures out the truth. Yes. Yeah. But interestingly, this is not the same as Kylie Scott's repeat amnesia. This is, like, what, like... Totally different. Like, this is people are lying to her. Yeah. The reason why I love repeat is because I feel like it's it's amnesia, but, like, it's, like... Grown-up amnesia, like adult amnesia. Well, and the Caroline Linden book, too, even though it's like a real tangle, the way it becomes untangled, it, it, that's, well, I don't, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but I was really like, oh, that's not what I expected because old school amnesia was like the McNaught book, right? Where it was like, somebody was lying, they figure it out, but they can't say how to unfigure, you know, they can't undo it. And then the person finds out and they're furious and they act like a real jerk. And so I feel like that plot, we don't see as much anymore. And I am... I'm grateful for it. I think those were kind of hard for me in that way. Like sort of the like, you've been lying to me all along. And they're like, you have amnesia. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but in this case, like she, he is lying to her. Like he's pretending yeah. to be somebody he's not. They are falling in love. She's like, this is great. 
Like, he's an amazing dude. Like, look how well I did. I know. And it becomes pretty clear over the course of this book that, like, Leighton starts to realize, like, oh, everyone fucking hated me. Like, everyone hated me. Why did everyone hate me? And then once she realizes, like, once everything kind of comes together and she realizes, like, she chose this life that she didn't want. She has a job she didn't want. She's, like, and she really does take her, like, this this whole experience is a revelation for her yeah. about the life that this is like the path she had she didn't take and now she gets a shot at it. So she's really examining her own it gives her the opportunity like it's again that second chance to examine like who I was. And I think it's really well done. Well, also like who among us has not said like, well, what if I could go I had back. Yeah. Tried this other thing instead, or I've done this other thing instead, or like I'd said this other thing instead. If I could go back ten years, what path would I choose? Yeah, and amnesia kind of gives us that opportunity. Can I just say one more thing about that book? I think that was the first Tracy Livesey book I ever read. So good, and I was like, it's hot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how come I didn't know that Tracy Livesey was out here writing these fucking burn burner sex scenes? I had no idea. No, but Ugh. it's great. It's really great. Also, okay. Jonathan is a chef. I feel like I should <laughs> say that again. I love that cover, too. That's oh, a great cover. So beautiful. These it's two, super it's beautiful. two, like, incredibly beautiful people. He looks a lot like Matthew, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey. Who is kind of got, like, a slimy white boy look I really like. I yeah, but he... Say. <laughs> you really like. I yeah. do. Yeah. I do. He's sexy. All right, all right, all right. All right. I want to talk about... Rebecca Zanetti's Forgotten Sins. Ooh, I haven't read that one, and I like her a lot. I like her a lot, too. And I feel like there is a real, um, this, okay, so in this book, um, it's really fantastic. It starts out with, essentially, there's, like, a prologue about, you know, these boys essentially being raised to be, like, super soldiers. And then it's, like, 20 years later. And we get Josie being called to the hospital because her husband, who left her two years ago, just like up and disappeared, is in the hospital in her town where she, like they did not live after he left her. She actually moved away from California to this like little town in Washington that sounds like it must be like Spokane because it's eastern Washington. Only Mm -hmm. it's called like Snowville or something. Anyway. Is it called Forks? (laughs) No, it's called something else. So she gets this call from the hospital. Your husband is in our hospital and he cannot remember anything. And she's like, literally, what the fuck? So it turns out that they... Is she married? They are still married. Oh, they are still married. Okay. They are still married. Now, because she didn't know where to send the divorce papers. Sure. Well, this is lucky. Now she knows where. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> she, they had this wor- like literal whirlwind courtship that was three weeks long. And then they were married for only a couple months. And then he just disappears. And she, he was a Marine. She knew that he was really like never telling her the truth. And he, you know, she shows back up and all of a sudden he is like, I don't remember you, but like, I don't remember, my brain doesn't remember you, but my like feelings, my body remembers you, right? And he's like, (laughs) instantaneously, because he's like, of course, some super soldier, like, I am, you know, like the, the cop is like, well, you haven't, you know, you're, you have divorce papers ready to go. 
you know, do you have another, like, a new boyfriend? And she's like, well, I'm not going to say. And, of course, like, Shane, who's the hero, is like, I'm, you're married to me. I mean, it's, like, so fucking great. It's, like, mm-hmm. so over-the-top ridiculous. So the thing about this, so anyway, there, it like all Re- Rebecca Zanetti books, if you, I really like her romantic suspense a lot. I am a person who, um, you know, I don't, like you, I can get really too tangled up in, like, plots and spies and stuff. And I just was like, oh, yeah, all this stuff's happening. La, 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 la. But it turns out that she suspects that Shane has been, like, watching her, actually, for a long time. And she's furious. She's like, you knew I wanted to divorce you, and yet you were watching me. And it takes kind of a long time for them to really unravel what's been going on. Yeah. But in this case, the amnesia allows him to, like, he, of course, had, you know, left to keep her safe, some bullshitty thing like that. And now he's like, this is my second chance. Yeah. And he has to figure out, like, what's going on with him and his missing brother. And it's related to actually several of her other series where there was this, like, commander who was, like, training all these kids to be super soldiers. And so he's got this set of brothers. And they're really torn, too. Like, we can't bring anyone else into our danger. And she's like, no, like, if we're family, we're family. And it's, again, it's, like, this real chance to sort of override what for him had been all these like a lifetime's worth of training about how to be a loner in the world. And this amnesia allows him to essentially realize like how much he really loves her. And I think the other thing I really liked about this book is, I mean, there's a lot of like nonstop action sequences. I don't know why people aren't making these into movies, but um, she saves herself a lot. And it's also the amnesia is like he had thought like she's small and petite and like he calls her angel. You know, she needs to be protected. Mm. And time and time again, she is like, no, I'm I'm really tough. And I really like that the amnesia allows him to sort of like like see her in a new way too, right? Like and I think that in this case the amnesia does a lot of work for both of them. And it ends up being, you know, like always, like just magically fixes itself or whatever. But I thought it was a great use of amnesia in sort of a like, I'm going to reset all my programming kind of kind of way. Yeah, it's interesting because I do think um, I'm really interested in the way that amnesia is used for like the heavy duty alpha hero. Yes, um, because I think it's also used as a cheat in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, I, it's not a cheap, but like in a, it's a tactic by which a writer can write a super duper alpha and then immediately soften him. Yes. Right. Yeah. Without there being any reason for change, right? Yeah. Like motivation for change is clubbed over the head. Yeah. Right. Like I think about him. Did you ever read that Sherry Thomas book, Tempting the Bride? No. Um, so that is oh, Sherry Thomas. Nobody does yearning like Sher- oh, Sherry so does. True. Like yeah. everybody yearns all the time in these. Um, anyway, so it's like uh, there's a there's like a forced elopement on like page one yeah. between these two people. And the heroine is pissed because the hero was basically like a bully when they were younger. And like, yeah, he was really bad to her, like really like kind of not he was just not he has not been nice to her since they were children but now like they're they've sort of been like 
forced into like a marriage of convenience. You know, she loves, Sherry loves a marriage of convenience story. Um, and then there, but like the second that they elope to, to like go off and get married and like save her reputation, there's a terrible carriage accident mm. and she wakes up, she wakes up, um, can't remember anything. And he reveals like immediately that he's loved her his whole life. Yeah. Right. And he's been yearning for her his whole life. And um, and it's really interesting because, I mean, when I first said like amnesia is a, tre- a cheat to like immediately soften a hero without requiring him to actually like emotionally evolve. In this particular case, what Sherry is doing is writing a hero who like has always been repressed and like on right. like he's had to stick up his ass about like being able to speak his emotions into being for his whole life and then this like tragedy happens and he sees an opportunity to like speak his feelings for the first time yeah now of course ultimately because we all love and because it's amnesia and this is the part we all love she's gonna wake up and think oh fuck is he is yeah. he like fucking with me again like and it's really it's a i mean Everything Sherry's written is a great book, but it's a great book. Yeah. So, like, I really like what I want to talk about. Like, what I often think about here is, like, these are – this is a really good – like, this is why amnesia is so present in category romances. Because they have to move – you have to move so, so fast. fast through a presents with, like, you know, the – like when we were kids, it was, you know, the eye patched, like grizzled, <laughs> yeah. like wounded hero who like something had to happen to shake him loose. Yes. And this was like the quickest possible way to do it. Right. It also eliminates it strips out toxic masculinity. Right. Like all that yes. learned masculinity, like patriarchy is immediately deleted from your DNA. Yeah. Well, and that's the case in this in the I forgot the title, the Rebecca Zanetti book I just talked about is yeah. he like essentially can do all this crazy super soldier stuff. And he has this moment where he's like, why am I like this? Yeah. Right. And he finds he thinks like, am I a monster? Essentially. I love it. Right. I love I mean, that. It's so amazing. But he also realizes it's like what's going to keep her safe. But, you know, a book that really plays around with that, that I just read, which was a literally a Harlequin presents. And I think it is. Like, you really have to love an old school Harlequin Presents. Was called A Baby to Bind His Bride by Caitlin Cruz. Oof. It, you listen, it's. Oof, that title. Listen, it stings. It's, it's like, <laughs> but it is, I swear to God, I read this book and. I, I'm not saying it's going to be for everybody, but I read this book earlier this year <laughs> and was like, it's not for everybody. <laughs> I feel like I'm 19 again, reading these fucking yeah. Harlequin presents like the Ugh, it's a, a virgin, so like a virgin bride. Like sure. she gets married. She's 20. Her husband dies in a plane crash that night. I don't remember why she's not with him. Sure. Then he is out in the wilds of Oregon and he's a cult leader. And she is like, sure. I, you know, he doesn't remember anything and she gets word that it might be him she's been searching for him she's this virgin widow and then she she like finds him and immediately his you know memory comes back this is literally chapter one <laughs> and i was like of course it is because presents all- okay here's the thing yeah. i give a workshop pretty regularly on conflict 
yeah. like how to write conflict in a romance novel. And I routinely during this workshop say, like, if you want to learn how to write conflict, you read <laughs> Presents. Yes. And you read as many of them as you can. Yes. Because the women who are writing Presents and writing them really, really, really well know how to tell a story that starts with, like, an explosion and then just moves like like uh, shrapnel. Yes. Like, just yes. through the story. And you just, you're swept along. And, like, two hours later, you're like, I've lost what two just hours happened? of my life. And it was amazing. A baby to bind his bride. <laughs> his bride right? or his and mistress? No, it's it, that's his bride. A baby to bind his bride. Okay. No, but I mean, like, the point is, is I was like, now this is an author who understands that amnesia is nothing more and really than a plot device. <laughs> it's Amazing. not science, everybody. It's plot device. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, <laughs> I think we've done well. I do <laughs> we, too. we took a little detour into space, but it's fine. There's, there's probably space amnesia romances. Oh my God, I'm Googling it right now. Space amnesia. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Like, it's gotta be. You know who be I want to write a space amnesia book? Ruby Dixon. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say Emmy Chandler. Because it feels like somebody lands on prison planet and has amnesia. Woof. That's tough. I'd read that immediately. Please make it so. <laughs> Dear Emmy Chandler, if you are listening. <laughs> um, Actually, I just read one by Ruby Dixon that I think could qualify called Bound to the Battle God. And mm-hmm. he is um, essentially, like, I can't exactly remember why, but he essentially, like, wakes up in, like, a fugue state. And he does not really remember why it is that he's there. And it turns out that this the heroine is his, like, link to the mortal world. He, they have to stay together. And if she is killed, then he, like, disappears from that realm. And then it turns out there's, like... Like, essentially, his identity has been split into fourths, and, like, four of him are running around, and they're each <laughs> trying to defeat the other ones, and honestly, sure. Sarah, it's fucking it's amazing. Out. It's fine. Sure. It's a fantasy. It's fine. I like it. Bound to the battle um, god. Apparently, there is. I've never heard of this person, and I don't, so, you know, take this. This is not a recommendation, necessarily, but in case you're interested, uh, there is a book called... <laughs> Um, Divine Space Pirates. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> By C.S. Johnson. All I can imagine right now is like like Han Solo yelling wahoo or something, right? Oh, With like know? Chewbacca and the... <laughs> no, or like that, or the Benicio Del Toro character in, uh, <sighs> in, uh, the last episode. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the Divine Space Pirates series. I love romance. <laughs> and by C.S. Johnson. And I don't know. This is the I'm getting I'm getting the collector set being tagged. Uh, <laughs> amnesia. So there you go. That's just some quick Googling. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of it and put it in show, show notes. <laughs> oh, Sarah. Well, this was fun. We, I, you guys, I feel like I was all over the place on this one, but uh, in the best possible you know, way. This is what you come to us for, right? 
I want the episode. I would like. I would like a special request, Eric. At the end of this episode, instead of our typical music, I want you to play "Don't You Forget About Me" by Simple Minds. <laughs> Fair enough. Although there might be some like copyright something, but maybe we could sneak it in somewhere else. Just like five seconds, it's fine. There's yeah. got to be some sort Perfect. of fair use policy at work. <laughs> Good luck finding a phone call, Sarah, about oh, someone talking about their favorite amnesia. I'm sure plot. there is. I bet there's one. If not, it's just whatever it is. Anyway, everyone, thanks for listening to Amnesia with Jen and Sarah. Um, you can buy Faded Mates buttons and other like romance landia buttons at my shop from my best friend Kelly and I've got t-shirts now and sweatshirts and tote bags um I'm super excited um to have been partnered with um Jordan Denae who is uh fantastic amazing fandom uh designer she specializes in fandom product um and she and i met up in brooklyn and we decided that it would be really fun to put together a romance themed uh basically fan gear romance fan gear so So the whole shop will open february 2020 with lots of different things including cross your fingers a faded mate shirt but um, in the meantime, you can get two different designs on a number of different items at Jordan Denae's shop at jordandenae.com. We'll put links in the show, no- show notes. Uh, you can get Gracefully Furious, which is what Entertainment Weekly called me one time. <laughs> um, and, or you can get Read Romance Fight Patriarchy, which... Always a classic. It's a Fate of Mates original. Um, so I hope you all will. It's super fun. She's great. It's a woman, a small woman owned business in Brooklyn. Throw Jordan some love, um, and come out to events with us. We're in your gear. Ooh, exciting. And, uh, don't forget to, uh, like and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. Leave us a review if you have time and inclination. Fate of Mates is produced by Eric Mortensen. Can they still call us, Sarah? Oh, yeah. Or call us. Call Call us. us. Uh, At the end of every episode, we are playing a book that blooded you this season. Call us at 646-450-3766. Can't find that number anywhere but in your ear holes. (laughs) We love you all. Don't forget your loved ones or who you are in the world. Hi, ladies. This is my second voicemail because I couldn't keep it brief enough the first time. So I'm going to do my best to do better. Uh, my name is Ashley. I live in Southern California. And you can find me on Instagram at Bibliosomniator, uh, just named Dreamer of Books, uh, on Instagram. So um, I am a newer romance reader. I have really only been reading for the past five, potentially six or seven years. Um, and I had kind of not understood that I loved romance until, uh, really this book, I think. And I think that's why I'm including it. Um, and that book is The Duchess War by Courtney Milan. And I just remember reading this book and starting it and feeling this just absolutely voracious urge of, I need more of this. I need whatever this is. And at the time, I couldn't really put my finger on it. 
Um, but, you know, Minnie is kind of ordinary. The heroine is kind of ordinary, and she's not very pretty, but she's incredibly smart, and she goes toe-to-toe with a, uh, a duke, and he's got all these things laid before him, and um, it's, kind of this enemies to lovers and you've got this challenge between the two of them and then they just completely fall for one another and the way that Robert falls for her and how he really sees how valuable she is and how extraordinary she is. I think at one point in the book he even says, why would I have a normal wife when I could have an extraordinary one? And oh, that just, I I was done after that. (laughs) That was it for me. Uh, there was no more stopping and I was, I tore through the rest of the series and I have not stopped since. Um, but really just that, it was that feeling. It was that romance feeling of seeing two people connect, um, seeing how much stronger they grew themselves by knowing the other one. And, um, ever since I haven't stopped reading. So, um, that is the book that blooded me. Um, I tried to keep that shorter, so hopefully that is a little bit better, but feel free to use either one. Uh, thank you ladies for the podcast. I always enjoy it and, um, have a great day.